All right, so I have a PSA for everybody. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I say this as a you know five foot four, uh, hundred and thirty pound dude with a soft jawline, and as that uh, it is totally fine and cool to call Ben Shapiro a manlet. That's fine. You heard it here first. It's folks. fine. It's good. Because you know what? I'm not a manlet. Because manlet is an energy you exude. Right. It is sort of the, like a Napoleonic, uh, uh, I'm not small, you're small, and I'm rational and you're not kind of way that it's it's a different, it's beyond just your size, though I think that might be a necessary, but not sufficient condition to be a manlet. You yeah. Know? It's yeah. small guy energy. Yeah. It's- yeah. It's small guy energy. Emphasis on energy. Right. You know? Or like, you know, short kings go off. oh geez did you see the the video where he gets super pissed off at like the long time like right wing tory guy and he's like you're clearly a member of leftist press because otherwise you wouldn't be talking about me this in the right the guy he's like it's uh, like the bbc (laughs) guy that's like a royalist or something he's like so conservative like if you knew anything about me you'd realize how ridiculous what you're saying is right now yeah i can't even think of no but he sounds more like if you knew anything about me, you'd know how ridiculous that sounds right now. Yeah, now, exactly. and he was like, he had really good. He had, he did not have small guy energy. He had like, yeah, ben, big ben British had, guy energy. Yeah, big ben British had, guy. He energy. had to like log, log off like mid interview. He's like, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm clearly triggered right now. I just need to, I'm gonna leave, leave it at that. Agree to disagree. Yeah, Benjamin I don't know. is a I, snowflake. We need to be kinder to these folks because can we get an F in the chat for Brett Stevens? Oh, in the loss yeah. of his Twitter account. Oh, wait, real quick. I'm uh, calling you out, Brittany. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah, there we go. Okay, yeah. We <laughs> hit 100 followers on Twitter, and the deal was the people were pissed that you were that you were gone last I week. Know. And, like, you, I know. And it's like you, you fled. But, you know, like, Brittany was out in Minnesota getting doing research for the accent. <laughs> we, could, we, we, we made stuff up saying that she was sick, but really I, she was out. In, I try uh, to take this seriously. Yeah. You know, I try, I try to give the pod my all. And last week, I just didn't have it. I didn't have it. Well, we appreciate it when, when you bring it. <laughs> Actually, so I, it will be hard for me to put on much of a voice even today because I still... I told you, you eat know, the cheese curds. You I had to eat the cheese curds and then it gives you that No, energy. I ate too many cheese curds, I think. <laughs> um, I, miss, I am still like a little bit uh, like phlegmy and scratchy, so... Oh, and if we have any Minnesota <laughs> listeners... Um, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't want to hear if you think it's good or not. I Part of my problem is that uh, if I'm not super proficient at it, I kind of have to overdo it to, so maybe I'll try to, it didn't try feel, to slip it It didn't it sound like you were overdoing <laughs> no? it at well, all. Oh, geez. You're just saying that to make me feel better. You want a pop? I had a, I do. I actually could use a pop. I had a friend when I was young who had a Minnesota accent, and I had never heard anyone talk like that. But my whole family's from Arkansas, so sometimes when I try to do a Minnesota accent, it starts to slip into an Arkansas accent. And so I do apologize that I wasn't yeah. I wasn't on the pod, and I'm sorry I can't deliver more of a Minnesota accent. But I will. Gosh darn it! I will try my hardest. <laughs> but yeah, Brett Stevens. Uh, 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 Twitter account is gone. He t- it was too much, or did he immediately come back? I th- I feel like he immediately came back. I don't think so. No, no, I don't think he's. Yeah, I think he logged off. Yeah, uh, Brett Stevens is somebody who 
on the regular puts out incredibly anti-human statements about huge swaths of people and was like a big proponent of the uh, Iraq war and is somehow still allowed a platform and considered somebody whose opinions we should all take very seriously. And, uh, but I believe this was the second time that he like publicly came out in an attack trying to get somebody fired for like something that they said mean about him online. Oh yeah. Like apparently this uh, professor uh, like had, you know, two or three retweets and like, I think it was likes. like seven likes and, yeah. t- and like no retweets. No, yeah. it was, it was even less than that. So like, Brett's it was like even, one of my tweets, yeah, so, seven likes, no retweets. And it wasn't even a tag. At, yeah. It wasn't <laughs> yeah. even like an attack, a tag at Brett Stevens. So he had to like go and do like a name search on himself. Look at the uh, comment, see the one about the bed bug and then get steamed up enough that he went and researched the guy's provost uh, contact and contacted, like, CC'd his provost yeah. and put it out this, you know, incredibly embarrassing... Uh, it's real petty. Uh, yeah, it's letter. such a bitch move. Yeah. But, but the, the thing... so I, dumb. I, I can remember uh, when I was writing a lot, putting in the URL into the search Twitter bar. Oh, yeah. The yeah. Twitter search bar to see... I think that makes sense. And I bet, you... I bet that's more likely what Brad Stevens does. Yeah, but I no, but I don't think that the the tweet I think included it was sharing. His, was it sharing his article? I don't know. Right. Guys, stop doing that. You know, screenshot it maybe, but stop driving traffic to, for hate clicks. Like because I'm not 100 percent sure. Every click it, but... pays the same, you know. Yeah, and like I, it really does like uh, legitimately bum me out that sometimes like I you know, like I have this app that uh, curates everyone everyone's links on Twitter, mm-hmm. and like probably like three out of five times. Every, the top share is a bad thing that people don't like mm-hmm. rather than a thing that is good, yeah. which means that like people who write bad things are being economically incentivized to keep writing them, which yeah. is like, also, probably use, why is Brett do Stevens not, is on there. Do not link. Yeah. Yeah. The, there's also the, the yeah, that service. That can... Yeah. Provably anger creates much more engagement than, um, you know, hilarity yeah. and or like virtue. Right. Um, <laughs> like when you, people do something uh, really uh, good, It'll get like a bunch of, you know, uh, attention, but if they do something really good and they release it in a really entertaining way, that'll be even more. Or if they do something horrible, it'll generate like the most. And uh, yeah, I think that eventually there's going to be some type of lobbying done by like, you know, the evil people uh, where they're going to be like, yeah, screenshots, we got to get paid for those too. Because we like it, we get <laughs> yeah. AI and we can tell when you screenshot my horribly racist or problematic thing. And I see that it gets a lot of likes and retweets and everything. And, uh, you know, I need to be paid for my content creation. Yep. Yeah. But I mean, if you're not showing ads, then they're still, you know, not going to be able to get paid because it's the advertising numbers that drives it's not just a click it's every time the advertising is hit right so even just using an ad block will deny them a certain amount of revenue yeah the, they, they i mean when they go out in and put out the pricing and their their sales staff like is selling them they have to have like a number of clicks like the clicks help well, it's one of the reasons the, that you now have the, the continue reading button, which you didn't used to have, yeah. Yeah, yeah. is that yeah. you then generate more revenue for every person who hits con- yep. continue reading. So that's why the first paragraph is always like a gruesome something, yeah. something that, you know, and then by the time you get to continue reading, it's like, man, this got real boring real fast, didn't it? One of the reasons I hate my Reddit app is because if somebody posts an article and you click on the link to the post, it automatically loads 
the article and that runs me out of New York Times articles by like the yeah, third it, day of the fucking month. <laughs> yeah, just just instant. Yeah, yeah. And, and it is like really disturbing that you, when you think about it, that like if you want to get uh, uh, an article's worth of information on a topic uh, and you're just, you know, Google searching, all of those Breitbart articles are completely open and free. And so are all the InfoWars ones. Yeah. All of those, you can watch, you can read all of them with no limit. But Washington Post, New York Times, they're going to throw up an, a, a wall. And that that makes me feel weird, you know? It's a real problem. We, have to, problem. we have to find better ways to fund journalism. Yeah, it's a, re- it's a really good point. Like, there should be some way to, uh, like, collectively fund, like, good, widespread, independent journalism. We should really, all of us need to subscribe to journalism more. Yeah. Because these days it's really not that expensive in many cases to do it. Yeah. I'm pretty guilty of not. I usually donate to Democracy Now! And I support uh, a couple uh, podcasts and, um, you know, just try to do it in that sort of direct way uh, for like, especially the the really indie outlets. Yeah. I think it's a Indie outlets like, like for example, (laughs) Ironweeds. Throw us a hand. I want to give a shout out to uh, one of my favorite indie uh, journalists podcasts, uh, Popular Front with Jake Hanrahan. Um, He covers a whole bunch of like small uh, out of the news conflicts and or details of those conflicts across the whole world. Very interesting. They had one that was like super uh, uh, detail oriented with the use of ISIS's uh, commercial or weaponization of commercial uh, small drones. Um, yeah, very, very interesting uh, uh, podcast. So, yeah, so go out and support the people that uh, bring you news. Instead of Brett Stevens, who once wrote in the Wall Street Journal that uh, you had to like mow down Palestinians even though they keep growing back. Oh, the, the the whole um, yeah metaphor of like uh, mowing the lawn. Yeah, he yeah, said that, that about people. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a horrible. Um, and then you know. and that was before the New York Times hired him. Paper of record, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. But yeah, so he he totally failed to research though that this professor had tenure and that the provost was going to like be fine with it. And it's so predictable though. It's like how can you go through the effort of actually drafting that email, actually <laughs> clicking send, and not thinking oh. Is he just going to snapshot this and just post it right back to Twitter with like minimal to no comment? It's wild. I don't know. But, but at the same time, like he could, something very much could have happened to him. Like yeah. there, there have been lots of professors that, uh, you know, I, I think of like two off the top of my head that, you know, like they, they either uh, criticize Israel or say something about like, uh, you know, like make a joke about white genocide or something. And you either... At the very least, like lose your sabbatical semester, or just like get like full on fired. Like tenure doesn't do anything. It's not a get out of jail free card. No, and tenure doesn't do anything for actual like uh, opinions that opinions that actually like speak truth to power. Tenure does nothing to protect you from. Uh, and also, tenure uh-huh. is becoming less and less common, like harder to get and less available. Yeah. Well, it's like it's like the Herman Chomsky model of media, where it's like the people who get tenure. Are starting to be, are starting to be those people that don't need it. We're like, if you right. get up into like the really high echelons of academia in the same way that you get in, uh, into like the boardrooms of media, that you already have the dominant opinion, and it, it's self-selected, and so you're not gonna bring be a danger to the status quo. Is Noam Chomsky have tenure? 
Yeah. 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 I mean, he's old, though. Like, he... It like, didn't used to be as yeah. difficult to get tenure, I think. Yeah. Um, also, he's exceptionally good at his job. But yeah. usually that, you know... He got the, tenure it, as a linguist anyway. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. He's as a, as a linguist. Yeah. But also, like, you know, I guess, I, I, as I say, he got tenure by being really good at his job, while at the same time knowing full well that academia is absolutely not a meritocracy. Meritocracies right. that don't <laughs> exist, they're not a real thing. So, well, and yeah, if they do, yeah. <laughs> academia is certainly not one of them. Right. Oh, no man. offense if you were successful in academia. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't mean that you suck. I no. don't mean to suggest that. No, no. So you want to you want to get into some uh, <laughs> some some real some hella depressing local news? Do I ever? Oh, yeah. God. Lay Let's it on me. It. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm all... sorry. Oh, geez, you sure you sure know I do. Yeah, please respect. Tell our me listeners. about those. Uh, Police brutalities. Okay, and this is why I will not be doing the accent for the whole episode because it would be pretty fucked up to yeah. do that during this story. Yeah, this is, so this is a, a, a serious story. So, so we're going to suspend the deal you have with our beautiful and perfect listeners because yeah. this, this is going to be serious. So uh, on April 17th, 2016, Sergeant Randall French of the Troy Police Department, I'm just going to say like what was first announced uh, in the news uh, back in April 17th, 2016, is that um, a, a Troy police officer, I think he's a sergeant, uh, Randall French, sh- fatally shot uh, a Troy resident, uh, Edson Thevenin, after Thevenin fled a DWI stop. And, and the, the account that was reported what at the time was that he uh, Thevenin fled the, the traffic stop uh, uh, French pursued, and uh, once they stopped again, Thevenin tried to pin French uh, with his car. And in defense, French shot through the windshield uh, seven times. He said six times. Yeah, six this times. This is part but, of the problem with the story, right? right? Uh, but but it's six times. Yeah, but it, it actually ended up, I think they counted seven. He was hit seven times. Yeah. yeah. And um, uh, through the windshield, uh, fatal, uh, and no, they he was were hit fatal. three times. There were seven shots through the windshield. Okay, okay, yeah. Uh, and so, and and that that and uh, ultimately ended up being fatal, right? And uh, at the time, right? So the the PBA chief, the you know the Troy uh, the union for the Troy Police Department, uh, Officer Nick Laviano, nephew to our Troy City Council President, um, his quote in the news was that it's unfortunate that Randy Randall French, the officer. Uh, is in this position because of politics. That was the PBA's response. Less than a week after the shooting, the district attorney, Joel Abelove, convened a, a county grand jury and instantly absolved Randall French of all wrongdoing. And and did it in such a way that uh, he, uh, French could never be tried on any of these charges, uh, on any sort of wrongful death charges because of the way uh, the uh, uh, the testimony when he was granted immunity to, to say stuff. So Randall what? French uh, legally cannot be touched what? unless something very serious happens. Yeah. How, how is there a legal apparatus that allows for something like that? Well, because you want to be able to get to g- gather the truth. And so you offer immunity so that uh, to the officer, I don't think I, I'm fairly certain people don't, I can't no, struck courts, straight courts, deal. Courts give people immunity yeah. all the time yeah. in, in exchange yeah. for testimony. That happens. That's happened a ton in the Robert Mueller investigation. It happens all the yeah, time. Yeah, but the, the, isn't the whole idea of the grand jury to like figure out whether or not this 
guy who has been shot right. to death by the police, it, potentially that this was a wrongful death? Well, like, well, wouldn't no, that be- a grand jury determines whether or not there is sufficient evidence to try somebody. That's all a grand jury does. Is it? But the, the the point, though, is that that the, that the granting of this immunity was so extraordinary and bad, not only just in general, but because before this happened, uh, Governor Cuomo had already issued an order saying that if a police officer uses deadly force on a citizen, the uh, state attorney's general office gets involved. And yeah, they automatically conduct they, their own investigation. Yeah, and... Uh, Abe Love, the DA, in less than a week, already convened a grand jury and absolved the officer and uh, before the attorney general's office could do anything. So he was actually, so Abe Love was in fact brought up on um, uh, criminal charges for han- for how he handled that case. And, and, I, I, and that's still being adjudicated. He was, the, the judge let him off and then that was appealed. And I think that, so I think that's still ongoing. And then Mayor Patrick Madden uh, attacked the Attorney General's report uh, on the shooting investigation as factually inaccurate, though he had never explained reasons why it was factually inaccurate. So that that Attorney General's report was uh, came in in January 2018, right? So now two like like a year and a half later, right? The Attorney General comes out with a report. A report Which can we? A yeah. year and a half yeah, for an right. incident that took place over the course of like 10 minutes. I mean, it's. Yeah. So that uh, and but that attorney general uh, attorney general's report is actually the last report uh, that in this story. Right. Uh, what happened before that attorney general general's report, uh, which, by the way, was pretty clear, like the officer was in the wrong. Right. Before that report report. The Troy Police Department did their own internal investigation uh, that also found that Randall French uh, wa- had not uh, done his job properly and that he lied under oath. Yeah, it was very damning and it, yeah. it's extensive as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an over 60 pages like long report prepared by a, a Troy PD police captain, uh, Joseph L. Uh, Santani. Uh, he heads the uh, Detectives Bureau. Uh, and and worked in internal affairs, and that internal report was filed in 2018. Oh, I'm sorry, after the state attorney general general's report, which was in January 2018, right? So both and bo- so both of these reports agree. Uh, the internal affairs report is based on a 101 page report that was uh, made by Brian F. Chase, a former New Hampshire State Police Sergeant, and he's considered international expert in vehicle forensics who also found that French uh, was most likely lying in his description of what happened and that French used uh, unnecessary uh, and excessive force. And so all of the, all of this stuff. So that's not three different yeah, reports, three different reports, Jeez. one uh, from the Troy police department themselves who hired another external agency that is renowned for this exact thing. They also said he did, he did something wrong and the state's attorney general's office said that something was wrong here. Well, that's all right. So that's that we can just brush our hands off and it's all three of these reports are not released. The mayor, all that he says is that these are wrong, that there is something wrong here. And uh, wasn't it also, I saw something that said that uh, 
police, the police chief had doubts that there were, that there were members of the police department who had doubts about all of these reports. Right. Yeah. And Which, it, that's shocking to me. Yes. That these police huge, think huge. that, you know, nothing, nothing what's, untoward happened. What's shocking to me is the fact that they, the police uh, report was so detailed and thorough and damning. Like yeah. that's a first in, in my experience. Like a lot of times, like the uh, police report is, is the mechanism by which the like support and cover up for potential wrongdoing happens in so, terms of like who writes what down and everything else. But um, this one really had, was very detailed. Yeah. And, well, yeah. And so the, what the Madden administration actually did was they secretly hired a different law enforcement consultant, uh, Michael D. Rinaldi, who, um, uh, to rebut uh, the internal affairs report. Now, that inter- the, the, um, the Michael D. Rinaldi report, uh, uh, Rinaldi is a, um, an attorney and former Glenville police chief, uh, and he's been, a, he's been in police uh, force since uh, 1984, and he wrote a 19-page legal memo that said that uh actually sergeant french is, is, is a, hero a good boy and yeah like, yeah and respects the flag and has, a, and has yeah. a pet bald eagle yeah uh we don't know what that report says actually because okay. the mad administ- administration refuses to release it and has not responded to uh the times union our local newspapers uh foil requests or the city council's requests yeah Yes, and then even further, the the current chief of police has actually barred uh, Sintani from uh, being able to testify to the city council about the findings of his own uh, study. So what? So what? The these um, other reports concluded, contra what was reported at the beginning, right? That I laid out where French pin was pinned by Thevenin, and that's why he shot. Uh, three into Thevenin and seven total, even though he said six, right? What actually happened was that it seems pretty clear that Rand- that after the initial DWI stop, Thevenin fled, Randall French pursued and um, uh, swiped him off the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, into a concrete barrier. In, into yeah. a concrete barrier in a really dangerous intersection, which is, uh, you know, a whole nother thing. Yeah. It's like a pretty dangerous... Ra- it's right on to, Husik, yeah. Yeah, the on-ramp to seven. Yeah. They, they pulled a UE, um, and uh, Sergeant French was on the outside of that turn, and then turned in, according to the yeah. internal report, right. you know, um, allegedly turned in and uh, uh, crashed uh, Thevenin's car into a concrete barrier and uh, stopped himself. Yeah, and then got out. And fired, I think, first two shots, just completely unprovoked. And he, he got out of the car and put himself in front, front of, of yeah. uh, the uh, Thevenin's car. Right. So it's not like he's, like, getting out to restrain Thevenin and he's just, he happens to be in front of the car and gets pinned. He puts himself, after, like, you know, running him off the road, jumps up in front of the car. And, and presumably, after he's shot the driver, Thevenin, like you know your foot hits the gas or something you know like you yeah the very least it comes off the brake right yeah but but then this internal report confirms that uh officer french uh was uh pinned by the now uh shot thevenin and then continued to fire until right yeah. yeah so that's uh uh james uh caruso the city's corporate counsel uh issued a statement uh uh i think back in june 
stating that Randall uh, uh, Rinaldi found Santali's report to be fundamentally flawed. <laughs> so the, uh, the uh, um, Rinaldi is the um, the the nineteen page report. Like yeah, the everyone good guy didn't did everything win. fine. Yes, yeah. yeah. fundamentally flawed. So they're report. still saying that they're still sticking to their guns uh, to use a, a a bad metaphor here right they're, the the mayor's office is still saying that nothing bad happened and and furthermore the mayor incredible the mayor is in violation of the troy city charter in doing this because the mayor cannot just hire outside counsel or experts without the city council approving that and also approving the the budgetary spending because that's what they really they have to approve the compensation for something like that yeah. which they haven't and carmelo mantello champion of the people that's that's just a joke for anybody who's not from <laughs> Troy and doesn't know but it is interesting that even though she's such a fucking monster on so many issues she is the one who she's calling for like a probe of this extrajudicial hire by the mayor's department to counter three different reports all saying that this officer was in the wrong yeah and Carmela Montello Troy City Council President aunt of the PBA chief, right? Like they're they're blood related, so she doesn't want to bring any. Uh, and she's a Republican, so definitely loves the cops, but also personally loves this uh, um, the PBA chief. But also has to like wants to score one on mayor on Mayor Madden. Yeah, it's complicated. I'm yeah. sure because and, and then on top of all of that, side if it yeah. weren't for the fact that the mayor is facing a challenger on her party and she's like very very connected to the Republican Party yeah. and it's like politics and, and goals. Yeah. So it, she, uh, as much as she would be towing the line on this, like the cops always do the right thing. They're the protectors of everybody. They're the reason why we have freedom. Blah blah. blah. Like she on this one case is motivated. You know. Sorry, I, I yeah I, no that, no it is no that's perfect and you know and that really does show why so many times like Democrats you know here but everywhere should just stop trying to get them to work with you because yeah. they will even throw the cops under the bus just score a political point on you like that probably because they know nothing will ever happen so like right right so like they don't feel like they're harming any anyone that they care about by doing this yeah at, at this point the stakes are the mayor's reputation yeah. within the electorate well and our all carmel has to do is get the mayor to like release this report and admit that he should have asked the city council and then she can say you know well he was wrong but this report which says that the cops didn't do anything <laughs> wrong I mean, yeah. this does seem pretty legit. At least I did my job as while, the council president yeah. getting this released. I think, I think yeah. you nailed it. Yeah. While I agree with, you know, his intentions, you, it, it, this shows how reckless and uh, he is and how much he doesn't care about the voice of the people. And if he and had just sent this to me yeah, I and let me, yeah. you know, have yeah. my say on whether or not this person could be hired and this report could be written, then yeah. that would have been okay. And we should say that, uh, to be honest, like... We really don't know if Carmela knew no, we that don't. all of this had already happened. She's just scoring points anyway. Yeah. Like that, yeah, we, we, I mean, don't, we don't know that. Either. Yeah, nobody really knows much about it, which is why I hope there more comes out. Like, yeah. I, I want to figure out, like, to what degree... Well, they're having a meeting this week, so yeah. we should know by next week if anything came of it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, shout out to Justice for Don Meek, uh, which is an organization in Troy that was responding to Don Meek McDonald's shooting by a Troy police officer where he got shot in the face um, and managed to survive. 
um, and luckily, uh, and has uh, been uh, seeking justice. And I think Abelov was also involved in yep. that um, uh, specific. But you know, I'll have to do more research and maybe even have somebody on from that activist uh, group. But they had put together a protest uh, at a city council um, subcommittee meeting. And it was very well attended. I went to it. It was probably like 60 or 65 people or so that I counted uh, at one point. Um, and they showed up and they were really just mad about the cover-up. They were mad about the fact that this was likely a murder. And that um, now that sergeant is still on the police force. And, like, I showed up protesting for the same reasons. Like, you know, I'm an engineer. And I do designs and things that may someday, ho hopefully not, uh, hurt or even kill someone. And at the minimum, I would imagine that I would lose my job if I killed someone on the job, you know, like that I'd be, you know, deemed to be too much of a liability and, you know, be proven to be reckless enough that like I shouldn't be put in a position to design things that might hurt someone. At least I'd hope that would happen. Um, and it's far too often that, you know, what is obviously a avoidable death by a police officer uh, doesn't result in at least like a termination. I don't know. I don't think that that's, I think it's an incredibly low bar to have. Like, it's not like these people won't be able to get jobs in the rest of the, the, their lives, you know? Yeah. But cops are heroes, Chris. But they can't, just, they can't just go around suffering consequences for their action when yeah, they're so heroic. Their yeah. blood is blue, but in a good way. Well, like, <laughs> the idea of uh, a good cop, you know, like saying that, you know, there's a lot of good cops. There's just a couple of bad apples and that doesn't spoil the whole bushel, which, as we pointed out, it, that's a horrible analogy because it actually does spoil the bushel. Like if you get a couple of apples in there, the rot will spread. But um, the idea of a good cop, in my mind, is one that would hold bad cops accountable to try to create a... Uh, a community and, and um, you know, a set of norms that doesn't tolerate abuses of power and will, uh, you know, hold people accountable for their actions. Like that would be the necessary definition for a good cop in my mind. In this case, we have this guy who's apparently trying to do that, like to the best of his ability. Right. We have an internal affairs report. It, and it's written says, by somebody who yeah, that, is apparently uh, only interested in the facts and letting, you know, the light of justice which we, shine. It's so rare. Like yeah. we should, I'm not usually one to give any kind of ups to cops, but uh, let's say little ups to this one investigator yeah. who's I mean, trying to do the right thing. We'll leave a link in the show notes, but go ahead and check out this report because the report's very detailed. It has lots of photographs. It re reconstructs the events of that night and it lays down in a whole multitude of primary sources and physical evidence, like the narrative that is, you know, to be, I think I, I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't, I don't remember if we said this or not, but um, we only know about these other reports because they were leaked to Cynthia Thevenin, Edison Thevenin's widow. Uh, it was leaked to her lawyer. So shout out to the leakers. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, that's the only reason we know pretty much any of this happened. Braver than the troops. Yeah. For real, though. Just so you know remarkable. This cop, I think we should, we should cut him some slack because it's not like he's ever, you know killed a dog or anything oh, oh like on God. thanksgiving <laughs> yeah yeah like if he had killed a dog on thanksgiving right if he had killed somebody's beloved 13 year old pet on thanksgiving day that would really make him a pretty bad dude oh my right God. yeah oh wait we're just <laughs> just getting this in yeah he fucking did that like that thanksgiving he he killed a human being in april and then that november killed a 13 year old dog 
So it's not 13, a, it's not a How many is that in dog years? Depends on the weight of the dog. It was a yeah. small dog. So, you know, obviously it was so it's threatening. Probably him. in it's like late fifties, early sixties, I yeah. would bet. So he killed a sixty year old dog. Yeah. It was a small dog? Yeah, yeah, the 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 uh the news article that mentions it says it is a small thirteen year old dog. On Thanksgiving. So this person is clearly the stable genius. Yeah, yeah, piece stable, of shit. very stable. Even if you were person. just to be exclusively a free market, you know, econo- economist on this, this guy's a liability to the taxpayer. This guy is like doing, okay, yeah. like he's. It's it's not good, folks. Like, like, could you? I always like to imagine, like, what if, like, a garbage truck driver, like, hit someone's Audi, like they would be strung up. Like th- <laughs> that 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 garbage man would just like garbage person. No, that they're a good person, a sanitation worker. There you go, yeah. sanitation. <laughs> You're worker. like this sanitation worker would be like fired instantly. We wouldn't pay attention to like the union contract or or anything. Uh, but they're just literal murders. Yeah, nothing. Absolutely so yeah, nothing. Ho- hopefully, more will come to light, and those that have uh, you know betrayed the uh, citizenry and uh, have abused their power will be brought to justice. Um, that officer Centenni, though, he he deserves a donut. Oh yeah, just one. Oh yeah, we should go uh, actually get him one from uh, Nighthawks. One of those uh, that watermelon. The, the watermelon, yeah. The, 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 we, we I don't know if he deserves. Put a put it put it, put it put it in a big box. So, yeah, it says good cop get a do- good cop donut. Yeah. That was by good, far good cop one donut. Yeah, that, yeah. that was by far the my most flavorful donut or best donut i've had in my entire life uh and i have that's a the best of it. donut you've ever had in your entire life i think life. so wow. i really was blown away by the um the 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 combination of the um the icing so they had the uh, jelly in the center which was watermelon jelly somehow and that was wicked wicked good and it tasted almost like honey um and then it had this like iced uh lime uh frosting that was on top and that was super, super good. It tasted like uh, an Italian ice, like, you know, like yeah. the, the bottom of it where it gets all crystalline, but it has like that lemon crystal. Yeah. Like, shout yeah. out to Nighthawks for the watermelon yeah. jelly donut. And it was a big donut. Yeah. 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 Like we, 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 there were four of us and we each got a quarter and that was enough. It was, yeah. damn. I'm going to think about that donut for a long time. <laughs> and they put little fruit, little uh, berries on top. That was a, that mm. So sadly, there was another shooting in Texas yesterday. We're recording on Sunday, and yesterday, <clears throat> the second shooting in West Texas in a month. Jesus. And it's just the one in Texas. But um, it's really, it, it, speaking of the disturbing dystopian police state at the local level, did you know there's also a disturbing police state at the national level? No shit. <laughs> Is this that deep state I've been hearing so much about? You know, you're not far off. So the Trump administration is now, apparently Trump himself is extremely excited about a new uh, program, a federal initiative that uh, the Trump administration is calling Safe Home, which is just, boy, talk about bad acronyms. Hang on, let me look. That's an acronym? Yeah, Safe Home. Um, Wow, that's... That's a lot of words. Safe home. Stopping aberrant fatal events by helping overcome mental extremes. The safe home project, which is like... Mental extremes? Mental extremes. Somebody was really stretching. Yeah. We have to make it safe home. 
Yeah, that's 459 on a Friday kind of idea. Yeah. <laughs> so basically this this proposal is to use a lot of like smartphone technology and digital technology to uh monitor civilians to see when they're going to commit violent crimes. Great. Yeah. That's going to go awesome. Right? I can't think of any way how that could be abused. Yeah. At all. Um or like how, but I, I can clearly imagine how that will just go really well and get to the root of the problem. Well, as the uh, lead scientific advisor on HARPA, which is the, so this project would be part of HARPA, the Health Advanced Research Projects Agency, which is modeled after DARPA. It's supposed to just be like a, you know, health, like. DARPA, but for health. Right, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. DARPA, but it's just for public health. private partnerships yeah. to do yeah. research, but this right. uh, smart home initiative would be under the purview of HARPA. So none of this exists yet. Yet. Um <clears throat> surgical health strike. But uh, you know, <laughs> health surgically, but not actual surgery watching you. Uh, and monitoring you. No, it's just surgically. your Alexa. Yeah, yeah. your Alexa's yeah. listening to you. No, to... Sur- no surgery, just surgical precision. So uh, Je- Jeffrey Ling, the lead scientific advisor on HARPA, says that um, everybody in this program would volunteer for it. You would have to give your consent to be a part of this program that like is supposed in the terms to... of service like you know on 400 <laughs> <laughs> they, they he was very he was very uh insistent that it's a vault it would be a volunteer program just like the military and <sighs> that went great well also yeah i'm sure that um like do you really think the kind of people who are capable of committing mass violence are going to volunteer for a government monitoring program because they don't probably really... won't even know it's a government monitoring program like... yeah you well you i'm sure that you volunteer for it by participating in certain private services like amazon's alexa and it's buried deep in the tos that uh by the way by using the service you volunteer to be on this government list um, or you download like the, like the Mood Ring app or something, <laughs> like you know, some some uh, toy uh, kind of piece of software, and then it, it's actually like you know sending your medical information to the government. You know, it's like I mean like, I, that sounds like a joke, but like that's the sort of stuff that uh, Cambridge Analytica used to gain access to a lot of Facebook information. Was a lot of like goofy, uh, um, like quizzes and. And jokes and stuff and memes would, would t- collect your data and send it to Cambridge Analytica. Yeah. So this this data is supposed to identify the, quote, neurobehavioral signs of someone headed toward a violent explosive act. So it's um, really disturbing to, to try to parse out how exactly this data would be collected for neurobehavioral signs. A lot of people are making jokes about how like the government's going to use Fitbit, your Fitbit to decide if you're, you know, a mass shooter or anything. But I think it's ultimately going to be something much more nefarious than that. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I don't imagine that they uh, <clears throat> wouldn't want that data. They probably want as much data as possible. Like, Certainly. I'll, yeah. I mean, especially when it gets into the whole AI thing, like the whole neural, uh, computational um, ability of AI uh, to understand data is always in its current architecture, completely unknown as to the mechanisms by which it's at working to the researchers who programmed it. 
Right. You right. just you just feed it stuff and it sends stuff back and you're and you can only like infer why it did what it did. Yeah, right? they're black boxes. Yeah, they're, they're they're largely black boxes. Yeah, absolutely. So in the context of, you know, whatever gets defined as these neurobehavioral signs and how data gets analyzed to come to the conclusion that something is a neurobehavioral sign of an impending violent act, it's literally just pre-crime. And, you know, the, the, the idea, I think a lot of people might be able to soothe themselves with the idea of this by saying, well, it's just a red. So this would really only culminate as proposed in a like red flag law, whereby people wouldn't be able to purchase a gun. If this Harpa safe home program were able to determine that you had neurobehavioral signs of an explosive act of violence, it would just restrict your ability to purchase a gun. Right. What if I already had a gun? Yeah. Presumably you would, you know ultimately be able to have your gun taken from you although i don't think that's what's being proposed here but yeah that's the thing that a lot of people that are really worried about this will like care a lot about and worry preemptively about it going there well yeah whether anybody likes it or not the second amendment is a is a a a right of citizenship Mm -hmm. and if you can take if you can restrict one segment of the population's rights to do one thing you can restrict their right to anything else when you go to uh get a firearm you have to basically say you don't use any illegal drugs that you you know are i think yeah you have to think uh, check a thing that's like i am of sound mind and body and like you know blah 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 like there are various things that you have to like voluntarily uh administer an affidavit of to the government to be able to uh uh be in the background check at least in new york state but like it's a five minute process. You go in there, you f- fill out the information and then you can buy whatever semi-automatic rifle or uh, shotgun that you want. Uh, you just can't buy a pistol unless you have a license. And then the, the rules for getting a license, you need to have th- like an affidavit by a pistol holder, license holder for, that you've known for like greater than five years or something. There's like some, this is just there. in New York though. Yeah. Just in New York yeah. for the pistols. But the, in terms of long guns, like, you know, not much. I, I, I think I talked on a previous episode about the legal firearm that I have. It's just a hunting rifle, but it's just essentially it's an AK. And like, you know, that the details of like what make it, you know, uh, a like misdemeanor, like firearm offense and perfectly legal, like, you know, good gun, quote unquote, uh, come down to the furniture I put on it. Like if I put right. a different grip on it, it suddenly goes to a thing that's like, oh, that's like now in a military style gun and like you, you know, therefore we are going to restrict it differently or something. So the New York government at least is already impinging on the second amendment in the way that they do create classifications of people that aren't allowed to have guns. So like, I'm not sure how much this, you know, moves the precedent window uh, in terms of, I would say creating a national database of people with mental illnesses is an entirely different animal than like having, making people sign affidavits and doing background checks for violent crimes. That's a very good Because this is pre-crime. This yeah. is, you are deciding that a segment of the population, um, be- simply because of the, the emotions that they feel and express should not be able to take advantage of this right that everybody else does. So let me throw this out here. So reported today is that a former Marine in Oregon said at a protest that he wanted to slaughter Antifa. Yeah. And the FBI seized five of his guns, including an AR-15. Really? That happened? Yeah, that ha- that's being reported today under wow. under these like red flag laws. Right. Wow. Uh, that makes me feel safer. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't, I don't know. To me, it does. I, I think that that's, but, but to me, that's because 
of the of like the person that had their guns seized. Like I want that person's gun seized. I don't really If you had to have guns being seized yeah. by the government, you'd want them to start with the people who are basically threatening open violence and, yeah. like, on a population that is like not running around murdering people. Yeah, or that that is uh by de- by definition anti-fascist. But we yeah. already have laws against menacing. Yeah, it's already you already can't just go in a public place and say that you plan to kill people. Yeah, like, that's, that's true. That's not. But it, it is new that you can now have your guns taken away for saying that. Yes. Right. That that and I li- but I, li- I, I personally I like that. I think that if you um say in a public place that you deeply desire to to kill or in this case slaughter uh uh people and you have guns i feel like there is something correct about at least and, and it is a temporary seizure i think it you should have a cooling off period that makes sense to me in some way i don't know i'm thinking of like different ways that but we do you can think just... that that's the same as taking data from what someone says in the privacy of their home that their alexa overheard oh absolutely not no yeah no i think that's a big that is that is a huge distinction and and um and it and no one will make it i don't i think in this discussion yeah in this discussion no one no one will make that distinction yeah my concern is not that this doesn't have the potential to um to prevent acts of violence i don't you know again i think the causality here is very complex and I, i don't my my concern is that that kind of data can be used to of to strip to strip rights from people with no violent inclinations whatsoever and not just with regards to guns like right. that is you're literally making a list for a future gestapo to employ however they want right Be- because um, this is like similar to when uh democrats had their their sit in in congress because they wanted the no fly list people on the no fly list to not be able to own a gun and it's like there's no public reason uh, reasoning for uh, how you get on the list and you can't appeal your position on the list. And quite often people with the same name as someone that got on the list um, is impacted. Yeah. Right. right? People get profiled, and, yeah. you know? Well, yeah. And sometimes people get off the list that shouldn't have, you know, like the Dayton shooter, for example, had uh, been flagged for uh, like basically making a rape and a kill list in high school, like was a, a known threat and, uh, then he, you know, seemed to recover. And at a certain age, like there was a law that uh, nonviolent crimes were like expunged from their record or whatever, and he could suddenly have a gun. I think one of the reasons that this is a difficult conversation to have is that um, despite the fact that the right to own a gun is like we don't I think we don't consider some rights are more equal than others. Right. And so I think for a lot of us, what we grapple with here is that we do want, you know, just to to feel safer there is a there is a cultural craving for some way to use this law to restrict this right so that we feel that you know these weapons of death are only in the hands of the right people but the problem with the constitution is that once a right is you know that's the problem with like the justice system in and of itself is that you now create precedent for a population of people to be stripped of this right that everyone else otherwise has um, it's the same, you know, not letting felons vote. That's popular, even among liberals, yeah. to not let felons vote. Yeah. I That's th- what, really fucked up. Was it Buttigieg that came out and was like, I don't think felons should vote. Yeah. yeah. That, that That's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I, and another, 
another thing that we've totally danced around is the fact that like the point of these red flag laws, specifically creating a national database of people with mental illness who can be monitored through their personal devices to determine what is a red flag in their behavior takes as its like pr- most basic presumed fact that mass shooters have mental illnesses, right. which, you know, a, a, like fewer than a quarter of what are considered mass shooters have any diagnosed mental illness, which is not that much higher than like the general population. So what is this list for? Like, we're not creating a national database of white supremacists who can be monitored through their Alexas to determine if they, you know, like, what is the, that? that's kind of what makes me more suspicious of it than anything else is that anyone with a basic knowledge of this um, problem knows that this list would not even be effective, that this kind of, like, gathering this type of data from these type of people would not even be that effective at preventing these mass these mass shootings right so what purpose does that list serve yeah like a a list that uh connected white supremacists and domestic abusers would like in cross-section those cross-reference those would be a better predictor so much more predictive than than uh quote-unquote mental illness yeah yeah and so what yeah and so what does that list do what what is its function And yeah, like, who controls you know, the it, list, it, yeah. and whether it should be changed based on any criteria. I mean, this isn't right. a democratic process. This isn't being arrived at by any type of elected leadership. Well, like, and the threshold for what this this policy proposal seems to to set is very low, and not, obviously none of this exists yet. This is all just uh, you know the Washington Post reporting people familiar with the with the program, um, but the. The threshold for getting put on whatever this list is, is pretty low. Anybody who's had even like any outpatient clinical treatment for mental. So that's like basically anybody who's really seen a psychiatrist like that's. This is the first, I think, of many laws that are going to be put in place to legally and openly create, you know, a sense of transparency by which they use our widespread, um, uh, you know, unsolicited uh, surveillance on us. Uh, to, you know, now be able to have a legal system that they can codify their suspicions based on that data that they've now, like, gotten the public to basically say, okay, fine, I guess you have it. You know, like, the Snowden revelation came out, and, like, nothing fundamentally on a policy level really changed. Like, there was a lot of people being like, oh, you know, we won't use this, that, or other data, blah, blah, blah. But now they're saying, like, oh, yeah, no, we're going to be able to use all the tools at our disposal, all of these, like, incredibly, um, you know, uh, invasive security uh, apparatus to build a pre-crime uh, profile for every si- single citizen. And we're going to start with the public uh, a fear of mass shooters and do it based on, you know, things such as medical diagnosis, et cetera. But then it's going to move to political perspectives. Then it's going to move to, you know, how active they are in whatever, you know, organizations they, they Well, they and have. I'll just be like bald-faced, blunt about it. The Nazis would have loved to have lists like this. And so as we creep further and further into like a fascist police state, uh the fewer lists of people I want the government to have like in general of any, you know, like just the codifying and counting of populations is in and of itself a a tool and and easily becomes a weapon and chris you were saying like you know like pretty soon it goes from mental illness to political beliefs and and uh who you associate with but 
those things will probably just become the same thing, right? Where right. your mental illness is that you think all people are the same or or like equal in some way. Right? Yeah, communism You'll, becomes a, yeah, like communism a becomes a mental syndrome. Yeah, yeah, because like I mean, really, you know, Which if you th- if you, you know, I think I I think I caught a bit of the communism <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> That's I got a bad case of anarcho syndicalism. <laughs> I really don't think there should be bosses. <laughs> yeah, you know, like in the same way that you know, like women were diagnosed with having hysteria because they didn't like obey their husbands enough, and their uterus was wandering around their body. Right? You know, like it you makes can, me, you, you know, so easily see that happening again. In The Handmaid's Tale, um, Gilead has something that I think is what I really like about that story and that show is that. Gilead has all of this uh, very personal information about all of the kind of major players in the show and, and the ergo presumably about everyone to the point where like they know that uh, that somebody's child was baptized and they like or somebody regularly attended church. Um, it really demonstrates how the surveillance state can so easily be manipulated by by like a, a very powerful centralized government to just like, once you are in this category, that's it. They, these are the rights that you no longer have. Yeah. The United States government wants to charge Edward Snowden with the Espionage Act and with treason. And, uh, but at the same time, he let us all know that we were in fact in the Panopticon. And he almost in the revelations that came out after it in the lack of action and general outrage from like, you know, any political powerful body uh, around it um, essentially codified it in our own minds. Like as a population, we just know that everything we say on the internet is like, it's a permanent record and it's traced to our social security numbers and everything we look at and everything, you know, we start talking and suddenly, you know, we're having an audible conversation and Instagram's just suddenly is peppering us with ads directly, you know, connected with it. Like, I think that my Google search has gotten too good. I shouldn't be able to Google the first name of an actor and you immediately know exactly what actor I'm looking up their IMDb for. Because like Hulu is telling Google that like you're nine seasons deep in uh, in King of the Hill right. uh, marathon. And so I should be on episode nine. Yeah. Or, yeah. Episode yeah. 17, season nine. I'm, right. I'm Here's just, the voice just, actor who's yeah. doing. I, I, you like I, forgot I, like, yeah. like all the things that Brittany Murphy's been in and something yeah. like that. Yeah. You just need to nationalize the NSA. So that way I can like automate my uh, social media responsibilities and it'll just like tweet for me and like, like the things I'll like. And just like be uh, me on the internet, so I don't have to, you know, like engage, <laughs> engage with lots of people, try to be relevant, try to download the information of what's happening to my friends and colleagues. Yeah. Just yeah. Democra- democratize the NSA. <laughs> uh, do my online for me. That is a hot take. Yeah. That is that. That's a spicy take. No, but really though, I think the uh, the idea of uh, you know mass surveillance is so normalized right now, but. It is explicitly against all of the written law. So doing stuff with any of the data, you often have to launder it. So there was this whole report that came out about how the DEA would use uh, NSF or um, uh, NSA-derived data interceptions from people's text messages and, and cell phone conversations and stuff and just feed it as like, a tip to the police, which would then pull over a certain car that they thought had drugs in it or whatever based on, you know, their metadata and or their 
textual communications and then have to do a thing called uh, retroactive construction or something. Um, parallel construction. Parallel construction, where they create a fictional version of events that allowed them to have the information they needed to be able to do the investigation in some way that wasn't where they actually got it from, which was from like direct data cables uh, interception from the uh, citizen who otherwise should not have been under government surveillance, but we're all under government surveillance. And well, so and that's part of what's like most terrifying about public private partnerships in terms of sharing data is that like, okay, you sure legally the government can't directly monitor you and then use that in the prosecution of a crime. But if you, in a terms of service, agree to allow some entity to share your data that you use over their platform with government agencies. Now they can use that information to get a warrant. And so you're right to, you know, that that whole, like the legality of surveillance just no longer applies because you have consented to it. And that's exactly what this program is proposing through this voluntary participation, to my mind. Sometimes I, I, I think about and get freaked out about uh, the way that Apple is going up market and like they're like pretty much all of their phones are becoming premium devices. Uh, and so the, the hoi polloi have to use all the Android phones and is the Apple phones that are also um, forefronting privacy and all how many things they don't monitor. And it just like really kind of paints this stark portrait of rich people being able to afford to opt out of all of these different surveillance systems. Apple touting their privacy is essentially saying, if you can afford an Apple product, you can afford privacy. Like, yeah. and, and ergo, if you can't, then like it's, can't. Or, it's already true that Apple takes far less information from you than uh, Google's Android. And so it is already true that if you can spend more money on your smartphone, you are less you have less information being downloaded about you or you have the ability to limit how much information companies are are collecting from you and i i'm just imagining that that trajectory continuing and and it and those two and android and ios going in those opposite directions to the point that you know you can afford you have an expensive privacy centered phone and a cheap a phone that tattles on you all the time. Yeah. I'm just like, it just seems like these, that it's going in that direction. We've hmm. seen all these relationships that have been ruined after people learned that they could download all their Google data and, and, face, <laughs> and Facebook data. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's when you find out that uh, Google, real... Google maps, like just has a list of everywhere Holy you've shit. been. There I... were like several posts on the relationship yeah. subreddit of people being like, so yeah, <laughs> turns out my, my partner's GPS shows them, going to this person's house for two and a half hours twice a week when i thought they were going to the gym or something yeah yeah Yeah. press f for all the relationships that google google data ruined i thought that that was such a scandal when i first found it and i went around trying to tell everybody but everybody i would tell was like oh yeah we've known about that for a while you have to turn that off but never was i ever asked do I want permanent storage uh, of my uh, GPS? And so that's something that Apple does. Like, so the iOS, yeah. you have to enable those permissions. See, yeah, with Google, um, they all come as default. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go back and figure out how to turn off all of this stuff. But it was wild. In a way, I really appreciated it because it would allow me to 
go through all my world travel and like everything at places that I had been to and like all the little town and restaurant like locations where I was, but it was freaky accurate. And it showed uh, a pretty detailed um, account of a lot of foot traffic that I had, but it basically tracked every moment I were I was and allowed that information to be completely at my fingertips in a searchable, easy, great UI um, that went back, I think eight years for anybody who had access to my Gmail account. Mm hmm. So, like, if I left my computer logged in at, like, a terminal at work or, like, at, you know, volunteering someplace and there's, like, a, you know, computer I was using, anybody could have just gone and had complete access to exactly where I was at exactly all these times. And I imagine that that's going to be used in the court of law. It's got to be as an alibi. Be like, just check them on my phone's GPS. Like, you know. I think it already, yeah. Or a indictment thing that said, hey, your phone said you went to the murder scene at the time of the murder. And, you know, you were caught. Well, that was even used in the Adnan Sayed case that was so popular on, what was that podcast? Uh, Serial. Because they, they, they actually just use cell phone towers to triangulate his location, which is a notoriously unreliable technology. But anyway, yeah, I, I would be shocked if cell phone GPS data isn't already be using, yeah, being used and, actively in the court system. And I wouldn't be smug if you're an Apple user. They're definitely Wait a second, snitching. wait a second, wait a They're second. They're definitely <laughs> snitching as, on you. As an, avid, as an avid Apple consumer, because I only care about my status and image, I'm going to, uh, you said not be smug? I don't know. Man. I don't know. No, but you you're definitely getting so snitched on. Like, yeah, like, sure. Yeah. You're you're being sold the premium of having your, uh, you know, uh, computer overlord tell you, yo, like you you can trust me. Yeah, like they're at least going to make that effort. Well, like I give all kinds of apps permission to use my location anyway because it's more fucking convenient to use the app if I let it lose use yeah. my location. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure my Moon Phases app uses my location. By the way, Supermoon last night and tonight. Well, it'll be gone by the time you guys hear this, but um, hopefully you checked you, it out. Yeah, hopefully yeah. You, you I think Superman. we constantly, like, literally buy into the Panopticon for convenience. Yeah. Even those of us who are hyper aware of how pervasive and dangerous that yeah. is, I, you know, it's a devil's bargain. It really is. And if you are getting a service for cheap or free, you are the product. Like you are selling yourself for the convenience of using that purpose, that that product or yeah. service. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, Timothy Morton. Big call- brother, all up in your Alexa. Yeah, Timothy Morton calls this uh, a hyper object, like this thing that you only feel in pieces, like that you know, like the the elephant in the dark, right? And you only feel the trunk or the oh yeah, the, blind the leg, blind yeah, blind yeah. And uh, uh, um, but that you know, the hyper object is kind of like that. It's just like so big, you can only perceive parts of it, and the whole is sort of like too big to understand. And usually, that means that you do things with knowledge that it will harm you later on or that you think, or that you know to be wrong, but you do them anyway, uh, because it's, you, you you either feel too powerless to bother not doing it, or you don't know how to not do it. And just why he says like the, the age of hyper objects is the, the age of, uh, um, hypocrisy. Hmm. So could you give an example of like a hyper object? Uh, like, like the surveillance state. Mm. Uh, he, uh, Morton's uh, book length example is climate change. Ah, I see. So it's it's like a concept manifested through a connection to physical, like m- measurable, real things. Is that the idea? Yeah, physical, but also social and cultural, right? So like, 
uh, climate change or global warming is a hyper object because like, you know, Dorian, as we speak, is, you know, about is a category five going to scrape along Florida. Is it category five? It's five now. Holy yeah. Shit. Right. You know, like that, that's a specific thing that, that impacts you and you like prepare to deal with. Uh, I, I, I hope so that uh, is the trunk on the elephant right. of climate change, the hyper object. Yeah. Okay. Um, or, or it's like a, you know, an IPCC report or, you know, it's all of these, it's, it's a bunch of stuff, you know, it's yeah. everything, but you only see parts of it. You can't per- perceive climate change itself ever. Yeah. Right. And that's like a, in a greater hyper object of like the Anthropocene. Sure. It's like, you know, yeah. just like the time that we're in right now where, humans have dominated the vast majority of the surface of the planet and have radically changed everything to the point where they found in like deep Arctic ice cores that there were like microplastics. And so they're like, all right, well it's, you know, this is, this is is where we're at right now. We're like humans have like really changed the physical fabric of like their material existence, like the environment itself in such a profound way. Um, And we'll continue to do so. So the, I, I, I kind of feel like uh, that in the surveillance state in the same way that people know climate change is a problem and it exists and don't really know what to do about it or are overwhelmed by all the things that they should do about it. You know, I, I feel like, you know, keeping your data away from the NSA is sort of the same thing. Yeah, you know, it's just yeah. like this oh, this huge daunting thing and you're like I, I there's no possible way I can personally individually do anything about it. So, but I can right now like know exactly how long it will take me to get to work. And so you're and just you like can... grant access. And, and I would give a shout out to Fight for the Future. Uh donate to them. They're super badass. Um they're like a uh activist group in the sense of uh ralph nader used to be where like as a, a consumer advocate for you know the utilization of data and so fight for the future.org um and two of the um uh founders of that organization went to the same like 50 kid nerd school that i went to for uh high school like for two years junior and senior year and uh it's a badass organization did you guys know so i think we've established that government does some bad things did you guys know that sometimes the government undoes the bad things that it does? That's nice. Yeah. Talking about 160,000 New York State residents getting their uh, marijuana convictions overturned. Fuck yeah. people in New York to see their marijuana convictions disappear. Now, the New York Times has conveniently changed this headline because the headline was originally... We see you, New York Times. Yeah, we see you. We're putting you on on blast, NYT, gray lady, paper of record. The original headline said something about like 10,000 New Yorkers having their uh, marijuana convictions overturned. But then you get into the article... And it's like 10,000 New York City residents and 13,000 upstate New Yorkers. Man, fuck you, New York Times. You don't need to... So is that 130,000 upstate New Yorkers? Or is it 13? It said 13,000. So that, that's, that's only... Uh, so yeah. The, I think the real reason they changed the numbers is that that's actually the number of people who will now have no criminal record because ah. these convictions are being overturned. The 160,000 160, people is just everybody whose marijuana convictions will be... Um, expunged. Erased, expunged, yeah. Badass. <clears throat> and of those people, 
23,000 New York residents will now go from having a criminal history to having no criminal history. And, and this, by the way, is a huge deal. isn't just the expungement of all marijuana convictions. This is, I believe, the in, uh, expungement of only the convictions that uh, are now decriminalized, which is still up to, I think, like two ounces or whatever. Yeah. So if we're talking about that many people getting their records uh, or these charges dropped, like that's a lot of people who were busted for a very small amount of uh, cannabis. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, but I, I still I'm not, I'm not over what the New York Times did here. So like they just kind of assume <laughs> that upstate New Yorkers are just like uh, illiterate, like small hot dog eating idiots, right? <laughs> you know, we, we just like sit we around. Love the small hot dogs. Yeah, yeah. No, the small we, hot dogs we, are delicious, we, but yeah, you know, we're just we like sitting read. around and. Yeah. <laughs> Just sitting around in our, in our flannel, like with our thumbs up our butts, just you know, like I, I, you know, like do maybe we should go to a lake, or do, go to a finger lake, it or is, something. And just like just, it is pretty goofy that they felt the need to to uh, not only just divide those two numbers, but also like the headline was just ten thousand New Yorkers. Yeah, yeah. They're not more important. Contrary to what some of y'all folks think, New Yorkers are not more important than the rest of us New Yorkers. Yeah. Yes, we are We're also New walking Yorkers here. Too. Yeah. Look, uh, <laughs> upstate new yorkers walk too yeah uh, look i wasn't planning on buying a new york times subscription and i do not currently have one and it's gonna stay that way yeah and now we're definitely not yeah we're definitely <laughs> still getting... not yeah it's like a dollar a day and it's still too much i don't know that's a lot yeah i mean i just think like how how many cents of that dollar go to brett stevens also could you get a dollar's worth of value taking time to read during your busy day like I, I, I consume a lot of my stuff, uh, you know, through audio just simply because I can do it while I'm like CAD drafting or something right. like that. So uh, unless it's like, an audio, like even that, that'd be like a $30 a month Patreon. That's like, that's asking a lot. I've calculated my, uh, the, the, the cost of, of my time to be $4 and 20 cents a minute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So this is really wonderful, though, that all of these, I I think that those numbers of people who now will have absolutely no criminal record because of these low level, what they're calling low level marijuana charges being expunged is really incredible. Like that is so many people. That's a that's a huge difference in in somebody's life. Oh, yeah. To go from having a criminal record to having no criminal record. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that can change your life completely. I wish it was more. I wish it was just, you know, no one with a violent criminal history had to deal with the repercussions of having a criminal record but and maybe you you could get like some reparations for like all the harm it did cause you like you know it's good to get these these marks off of everyone's record but i still feel bad for what was her name oh yeah cynthia nixon cynthia nixon right she's running for governor she got like she got yeah just like just torn a new one over that for saying yeah that uh uh she wanted a reparations program where people with marijuana convictions are first in line to um, get distribution licenses, licenses in the event that New York State actually legalizes. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, hell yeah. Why yeah. not? I mean, isn't the whole it was because she used the, the war on drugs? It was because she used the word reparations, and the criticism was that reparations, it, but because that term is so closely aligned with, like, slave, like, anti, like, um, post-slavery reparations is the term i'm searching for because that term is so closely identified with post-slavery reparations the criticism was that she was trying to compare the relatively paltry uh 
reward of being granted these distribution licenses to reparations for slavery, which was not at all what she meant. And reparations is a word that has its own meaning. This would be reparations for those people who have uh, suffered loss as a direct result of marijuana convictions. Yeah, she said it it would, quote, be a form of reparations for black people to... Oh, this. I see. Right. So they, yeah. they, they took that as like, you know, that would be enough to, uh, to yeah. Well, well I, I think that it, 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 you could defend it in the sense that it's very much within the same context. Like we still have slavery in America. It's just a public institution it happens in the prison system. So people who are imprisoned have to work and a large portion of what they produce in surplus value is extracted from them. And the savings are passed on to the private a uh, capitalist company that is uh, buying prison labor. The John Oliver This Week Tonight episode that he just did on that was actually quite good. I recommend people because it's it's essentially just like how exploitative the labor system in he even had a there's even a quote from like some prison warden who was saying like, yeah, you want to let all these people go. And yeah, a lot of them are good people. But where are we going to have where, where are we going to get workers for our prison system? Um, it's the same argument uh, uh, Kamala Harris made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a pretty common argument. And I mean, to me, the most compelling argument against uh, prison labor uh, for people who don't care about the life of prisoners, like if you're not sympathetic to other humans' lives just because they ran afoul of many of our dumb ass laws, right, and are in jail. Um, uh, just, you know, uh, your wage is lower because so many things are done with prison labor because prison labor stands as a reserve labor force, uh, that can outcompete on the market with any other labor force because it's literally pennies, you know? And like, so if you can, if there's any way for, uh, um, prisoners to do your job, like a company will try to find a way to do it. And prisoners can do everything from fighting fires in California, which I think it was something like a quarter of, or 12%. I forgot. It was, it was some double digit percentage. Very si- sizable percentage but, of people who are risking life and limb yeah. in some of the most dangerous conditions like uh, possible for the general benefit of the population that, that lives there in that, you know, environment and like yeah. having, you know, the, these fires put out. And, and, and then, and then once they get out of jail are uh, not allowed to become actual firefighters because you can't be, you can't have a record uh, and be a firefighter. Uh, so, but you know, also call centers like, uh, uh, customer service call centers, uh, um, making all sorts of stuff from dorm furniture to lingerie. Most riot equipment that is mass produced and given yeah. to, uh, police's, uh, uh, you know, departments all over the country. Uh, most of that is produced by prison labor, like yeah. forced labor. And so you have bondage, you have an encroachment on their human rights. You have the forced labor that is then sold for profit like we have never really gotten rid of slavery in the United States. Well, and that was and, the thing John Oliver has in his his bit, right? Was that like in the you don't in the Thirteenth Amendment you don't want uh, that abolishes slavery. It has the word except in it. Yeah, except, <laughs> right? yeah, except, which is not a term you want uh, in your amendment that yeah, abolishes slavery. It, it's no, like no, a little asterisk. Yeah, it's like anyways, you know, yeah. slaves are free. Like asterisk. Like until you know, we can figure out a way to gather as many people into our clutches as possible. It's called loitering laws. Yeah. Yeah. The, so, yeah, I think that the, uh, the, the thing of allowing for people who have worked and have suffered as a result of the work and it, the incarceration that has resulted of it in the black market economy that has 
continued to pump cannabis to happy consumers in the United States. Those people were the ones that had the most um, direct penalization for something that we now as a society have deemed was never really and shouldn't have been a crime in the first place. And the fact that they aren't given first dibs at any profit that could be made from it, uh, you know, that's unconscionable. Like the whole idea, like the recent New York uh, weed legislation push was like, how are we going to tell the difference between the black market and legal, you know, uh, subsidized or uh, sorry, subsidizing to the government uh, taxed uh, cannabis. It, yeah, that's a question that's basically just how do we get our pound of flesh, which yeah. is its own question, but even, you know, but it's much easier to frame that question in terms of the the old illegal weed versus the new legal weed. But my point is that they could totally just have a deal set up like that says, hey, everybody that's been working in the black market economy, you guys won the drug war. You won. And you should be rewarded because you guys are the ones that suck your necks out. You're the ones that did the crime. And you're the one that like helped keep a culture that now sees what you did as like not a problem at all. And people should be rewarded from it. You guys should be the suppliers of everyone's cannabis and you should all be rewarded with government contracts and you guys know how to do it. And like, let's like, let's make it so you don't have to use private violence to enforce your, your terms of service. Let's like allow the, you know, the rest of society's norms to uh, allow you to now be legitimate. I think like, it's, it's strictly because the state government doesn't want to go to all these weed dealers homes and hear about uh, their long born boring stories about how they lost a call of duty. Yeah, if we legalize the... this, we're going to have to go to their house. He's going to try to talk to me. He's really lonely lately. Like, his girlfriend left him. But, and, like, I just don't want to talk to him for that long. But when you think about it, like, you have a lot of people who are involved in the cultivation of this crop and the yeah. distribution of it. And it's all, you know, a personal, like, community. Like, it's Main Street you know, economy. When you really think about it, it's like the people that are super localized. It's very locally produced illegally throughout the U S et cetera. It's a small business. It's small business. business. All the things that typically politicians would want to champion and be on the right side during like a, you know, an election campaign video. Like we should have an election campaign video where it's like, you know, like literally helping people who were growing weed illegally now do it legally and like giving them a small business loan and like allowing them to set up their, like bougie uh glass jar like you know very high uh potency high uh value high tax you know uh distribution center like in their downstairs like help them renovate you know like i think that- i think I, I think that it should just be there should be a basic tax on the agriculture and then everybody else should just be allowed to sell it however the fuck they want because i don't want to have to go to some like apple store with like <laughs> angular steel jars of yeah. like weed that's not as but, good as the shit I used to be. Able yeah, to but get. some people I will. Should, so I shouldn't have outed myself. <laughs> no, no, it's I all might, good. I might cut that out. Uh, but but people shouldn't. Uh, you know, even if you are going to be continuing to get through the people who have been, you know, feeding their families legitimately. Like these are people, regular people, like everybody else. But their job just doesn't happen to be legal. 
So they do it at great life in uh, limb risk to their freedom and, you know, everything else uh, to do the service that our society is now saying, yeah, you can go make a profit on that and you can do it completely legally. Like those are the first people I think that should be employed. And people have made this argument, well, like, well, they were criminals then. But the whole point of changing your mind as a society is to say, well, you shouldn't have been. And this decriminalization law that uh, just happened in the expungement of those records is like the first, you know, material example I can think of, of, you know, society going in the right direction for, you know, uh, a while as it relates to thinking about past crimes related to weed, which now we see as very groovy. Yeah, I think expunging these crimes and ending all prosecutions of them is significantly more important than getting weed available legally. Like that is... um, that has to be the very first step. Yeah. And everybody that's serving a sentence should be immediately released. Yeah. And, like, and not just for minor marijuana laws, like all, you know, these so-called minor, you know, yeah. minor marijuana convictions. Like all these ones are less than two ounces. Like even if somebody was growing and they're like now in prison, if we're about to legalize as a state, there should be a public demand for no, you know, legal weed without amnesty for people who are caught up in the drug war yeah Yeah, it seems really weird that like yeah the amount of this thing that is now legal like still keeps you in prison like that seems weird right yeah well they want to stop like the 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 people uh who are like the real you know movers right yeah but it's right it's just like the the volume argument doesn't make sense anymore right either because if it's legal then it's legal and if it was always supposed to be legal then it then it doesn't matter how much of the thing that was supposed to be legal you moved, right? It, yeah. That shouldn't matter either. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's like the whole idea of like wild. fighting organized crime is like, you know, to run around like Batman, like punch them all individually in the face and bring them to, you know, uh, the, the prison instead of, hmm, why is there a whole economy that's like illegal? And like, are there legal variants of it that are acceptable to the society? Should we have democratic control over whether or not, you know, there should be legal prostitution or whether there should be legal gambling or whether there should be, there should be legal, you know, drug use and cultivation. Like, I don't know. I, I, I find it very frustrating that so much of the vice law is what actually feeds into our uh, prison industrial complex, which itself is a, a, slavery capitalist system that uh i find abhorrent almost like it was designed that way (laughs) you know yeah yeah Yeah. but this is a good thing like this is uh more than not a good thing that uh all these records are getting expunged and cleaned up and yeah yeah, it's a good step moving in the right direction yeah it's It's a good wildflower yeah it's one uh, yeah one shining (laughs) uh silver lining in an otherwise deep dark cloud happiness all right you, well, you, yeah well yeah. all right follow yeah. us on twitter at iron reads pod <laughs> follow us on instagram at iron reads pod we're going to be uh tweeting out or uh instagram storying out any um <laughs> events that come up with uh, justice domic and yeah. we'll link to them in the uh, show notes as well um and yeah yeah and if there's guys... any way that you can like throw them some money you know throw that money before us yeah know? for yeah. real yeah absolutely do that uh but if you do want to throw money to us you know, pour me a coffee. Was it pour me a co- Buy me a coffee. Yeah. Buy- yeah. yeah. Buymeacoffee.com slash ironweeds. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today to Ironweeds. And uh, this has been Brittany and Chris and David. And don't you know? Don't you know? We're just so glad for those of you who followed us on Twitter. <laughs> thank you so much. I think we're up to, golly, I don't know, 105 or so. So episode 10, uh, 
we'll probably keep doing this for at least another <laughs> week or so. Thank oh, you so much. It's good to have you back. Yeah, uh, yeah for real. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Peace.